overkill, profusion, excess, surplus, too much, abundance. When it comes to the body of Christ, God is just a big show-off, heaping spiritual gifts on his people in an embarrassment of riches. I'm Laura Pace. And I'm Jessica Denny. You're listening to Embarrassment of Riches, where we explore the wisdom, passion, power, and grace that God has showered on the women of Dallas Bible. Hi, welcome back to Embarrassment of Riches. Hey, Laura. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good. Still in quarantine. (laughs) You know, it's super fun. Oh, today we are going to talk about f- forgiveness, and we're we're rolling into the place to be on two wheels, hot. This is going to be a fun one. <laughs> yeah. Well, the good news is we haven't prepared a lot for this. I know that shocks everyone, but I feel like we can talk about forgiveness off the cuff. Yeah. We're, we're going to keep it light, fun, and meaningful. That's right. And we're, we're mental health professionals. We can handle this. I feel like we can I because do. there is a mental health value of forgiveness. There is now. Um, one of the things I'm mean, like, like, obviously forgiveness is a, a non-optional thing as followers of Christ. We, we don't have an option. Like we are forgiven. Although I sometimes want to opt out. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but we don't have an option. We are forgiven. We must forgive. Mm-hmm. Um, but can you talk to us a little bit about like, why that's so important from just like a psychological standpoint too. Sure. Yeah, I think um, what I talk to my clients about is that forgiveness, being a receiver of forgiveness feels great, but I don't think it's necessarily about the person that's receiving the forgiveness. I think it about, it's about what it does to you within yourself. And And I had someone explain it to me once like, Forgiveness isn't necessarily a transaction between you and someone who has done something wrong to you. It's a transaction between you and God. And so now not all of my clients are Christians, so don't say that to all of them. But I do talk to them about like it, it unburdens you when you're not holding on to resentment, when you are not, when you don't think of yourself as the person that has to hand down the verdict and the punishment you feel less burdened and, and, and then you can go back to he, your, your process of healing, your process of, of understanding what happened, being able to pro, like uh, process the, the difficult pieces of, of whatever happened to you. I wish I had a specific example. Um, One of the things I say to patients all the time is, and I say it because I say this to myself too, the, the problem with forgiveness is that the people that need forgiveness don't deserve it. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. (laughs) Yeah. That is really good. And it's true. Mm -hmm. Um, And and so I think it's hitting on kind of what you're saying is that, but the power of forgiveness always lies with the hurt party Mm -hmm. um, because of that. And you know what, what one thing I always try to make clear to my children. Because the the hurter. Mm Mm-hmm can't make forgiveness happen only only the injured party can make forgiveness happen which is why it's difficult right I mean I think that's why it's something that God talks so 
much about. <laughs> yes. That's because it's hard. Did you ever... And important. I'm, I'm, I'm sure I probably sent it to you, but um, Nadia Boltz Weber, who you cannot follow her for her theological thoughts, <laughs> but she is a raw, beautiful person mm. um, who has beautiful ideas and sometimes they are biblical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but... One of the things that she says when she's talking about forgiveness is like that forgiveness isn't this kind of weenie act. Mm-hmm. Forgiveness is this bold act that's that's kind of the, the idea of like taking bolt cutters mm-hmm. and, and and saying like this thing that you did me did to me is so wrong mm-hmm. that I refuse to be chained to it any longer. That's right. That's absolutely right. And that's Typically, when you're holding on to unforgiveness, it's damaging you a lot more than it's damaging anybody else. Um, Can you talk a little bit about maybe the process or act of forgiveness when things are hard? Like, how do you help a client figure that out? One thing I make clear to them, and this includes, this is clients, this is friends that have struggled with this and my children, is what forgiveness is and what forgiveness is not. Mm-hmm. Forgiveness is not that all consequences go away. Forgiveness is not forgetting something that happened. So I think one thing I I have a I, that clients and I have too when I've had to do some hard forgiving. Um, forgiveness is not reconciliation. Those are two different. That's things. right. That's right. It's not reconciliation. It's not restoration of the relationship completely. Um, but because if something hard has happened to you. I think it can be wise to remember it. So if, 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 I mean, for example, I had an ex-boyfriend that cheated on me. I can choose to forgive that. I can choose to, to move on and not let that dictate my life or my feelings about all men. Um, but that doesn't mean I have to be his girlfriend anymore or didn't have to back in the day, the relationship was allowed to change. And so Forget, like you were saying, it does not mean that you reconcile with the person who's who's done something wrong. There can be a shift in the relationship. Also, it, it like remembering, I think a lot of people get caught up in it still bothers me. Mm-hmm. It still feel I still feel hurt when I look at that situation. I still feel disappointment, um, like around that what what happened, and that's okay. I think a big part of forgiveness too for, is is to be able to talk about your feelings about it and, and to approach it in an honest way. You know, um, I joke with Laura about the therapist that I saw that Laura referred me to a couple years back. And I really do love the therapist. And I think she was good at her job. I don't know that she and I always theologically aligned, but she, she was a very good therapist. But I remember one at one point her saying to me and and again this is there's some some of this that I don't think is biblical but I think that the idea behind what she was getting at could be was for me I was so determined to forgive mm. and I felt fixated on that that the, the therapist at that time said to me I think you need to put that on the shelf I, I think you need to shelf that and not be fixated on forgiving this person. I think you need to feel the full depth of what you're That's actually right. trying to forgive. Mm-hmm. 
And of course, I'm in my mind, I'm like, yeah, but I have to forgive her and I have to forgive. And, and, and she her her point was like, yeah, I think it'll be ultimately better for you if you do forgive her. Mm-hmm. But I think you need to, for the moment, take that off the table and actually think about what you're forgiving. Well, because there's a part of there's a part of what or at least in her mind, I think, was that part of the reason why I was still struggling was because I was still minimizing what had happened to me. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's some of the that's the work that occurs around forgiveness. And you'll hear me say that over and over again, that acknowledging our, your feelings, your true feelings is critical to healing. And I think forgiveness is critical to healing. But what it sounds like she was saying is make sure you're seeing the whole picture. And that's I, I, I kind of talked to you about this before um, we started, like in, in freedom prayer. We, there's a, there's a, a, I don't want to call it an exercise, but there is a process of, of forgiving that we do sometimes in there with the person that we're praying with. Um, and they get to do that very thing. They kind of make a list, um, of things that have been wrong, um, that have been done to them that was wrong, that were hurtful, um, that really injured them. And they're able to say like, this is not mine anymore. I forgive this. Um, and they bless the person. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. Um, and I think that doing, going through those steps makes it a little bit more meaningful. It makes it feel kind of official, like the, it's this transaction that you are having with God. Um, and it makes it exist in reality. Like this, these are all of the things that happen in a succinct, in a succinct way. Um, and, and like, it, I don't know, it just makes it feel truer. To yeah. do that. Yeah. We've even written it down and like sometimes we've had them like crumple the paper and stuff like that. It's really neat. D- did you get an opportunity to walk through um, the prayer walk this this week? You did not. Well, I, I know you I helped did, us set up. I did yeah. the practice the practice walk through, but no, I didn't do all of the steps. Yes. But, but Annie you, I, sent I, me. Yeah. Yes. And, really and well. you helped us set up. But um, one of one of the stations uh, involved uh, like writing, writing, writing out your sins, canceling them with a, like so a, cool. a, a, a can't like a cancel stamp and nailing them to a cross. Mm-hmm. But one of the, one of the things it also suggested that you do was kind of write down some hurts that you needed to forgive, mm-hmm. cancel those debts too. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think again, when you're not forgiving, you're, and, and we don't forgive just because you don't want to hurt yourself. Right. It's not necessarily a selfish practice, but you are, you are the one that's experiencing more discouragement, hurt, um, than, than the person that probably needs forgiving. I think that that is sometimes true. And sometimes I think, yeah, like, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of interesting, uh, I think that one of the things that that going through freedom prayer was really helpful for me in seeing and it's sometimes hard to wrap your brain around how God is for you and how God is for your enemy. Hmm. Yeah. Um and so that there's a brokenness on their side too. They may not be aware of it. You may not get to be the benefit benefit factor benefactor 
Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, my, my words are, are getting... You, you may not see the benefit mm-hmm. of what of that because sometimes that would be really helpful because it would almost might feel like maybe they deserve it. Maybe mm-hmm. they're changing, you know? Right. But, um, well, and I think we've all been caught... Not maybe not. Maybe just me. Maybe I'm the little psycho that's been caught in this. But like when someone has done me wrong, I've definitely gotten into this unhealthy cycle of maybe if I make this pouty face at them or I like turn my head and don't walk past that person, they'll see how hurt I am and they'll feel extra bad. And like, that can't be my job. I mean, I've, I've done it in my marriage. I've, I've done things where I like want him to see that I'm hurting over something he did or something he said. Um, and I I don't, instead of like communicating about it directly and choosing to forgive those things. Now, again, that doesn't mean forgetting. That doesn't mean there's not consequences for, for wrong actions. Um, but it's not my job to try to convict somebody else. Yeah. I, I think that is, that's, that's one of the things I, I tell patients all the time is it isn't our job to curate other people's feelings for them. That's, that's feels true (laughs) (laughs) to where, and and sometimes I have to say this to my people pleaser patients too, because sometimes we tend to think of like manipulation as only in like only with negative emotions, like guilt and shame where you Mm -hmm. like try to, you you try to manipulate someone into feeling guilty or shame over Mm -hmm. their actions. Um, and obviously that's wrong, but it's also wrong to, um, try to manipulate someone into being happy or manipulate someone into not being disappointed. And so when I, 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 what I say to patients is like, you do the right thing and then you let grown up people have their grown up Mm -hmm. feelings about it. And I think that's true with what you're talking about with forgiveness is like, that's, it it is not a transaction between you and that person. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the person that you forgive gets to experience that forgiveness and that's wonderful. But sometimes that's just, that's you privately doing the right thing, That's right. which is releasing it and Mm -hmm. allowing God to be the person that's in charge of making the universe right. Right. And I have had to remind myself of that. I've had to remind myself that forgiveness isn't a choice. Like, how, how, or I guess selfish, how selfish am I if I choose not to forgive somebody when I know that there could be a very, is a very long ledger of things I've done and God's really forgiven me. So I have to walk in that because I can get my feelings hurt and want to hold on to that and it can turn into resentment and it just feels like this dark black yuck seed that gets planted in my body. One of the things, I don't know why this just popped into my head, but I, I, I guess because I'm trying to think of like my enemy and how God is for my enemy and yet for mm-hmm. me and how does that work? And, um, because I think we, we don't tend to see it like that. We, we, we send, we tend to see situations as like totally myopic. And that doesn't mean by any stretch of the imagination that when someone has hurt you, you are responsible for that. I don't, I don't mean that at all. I, 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 but what I do mean is that somehow in God's sovereignty and grace and mercy, um, 
he he sees us all tenderly, mm-hmm. even the person that hurt us. Um, it doesn't mean he's stamping approval on what they did to us. Mm-hmm. It means he's canceling their debt too. Mm-hmm. Um, but it made me think about the movie, the the movie Maleficent with mm-hmm. Angelina Jolie, mm-hmm. like the live action Maleficent. And I remember watching that with Lydia. She was probably, I don't know, maybe nine or something when that movie came out. And I really loved it because it had, we, we were able to have this, this conversation afterwards because in that movie, you know, in the, the first Disney cartoon sleeping beauty, when you see Maleficent, she's just this pure evil, basically Hitler type character. Mm -hmm. That's like, there's no redeem, no redeeming qualities to her. And, um, just a classic villain. And when you saw the live action movie, did you see it? Mm -hmm. Um, not the most recent one. I, I haven't saw. seen the most recent mm-hmm. one either. But that first one, the live action movie, you saw the hurt and pain mm-hmm. that Maleficent experienced. You saw the goodness that had been there before and how she was a product of her brokenness. Mm-hmm. And um, and then you also saw her perspective for when she was causing hurt and pain. And again, it didn't make what she was doing right. But you understood it mm-hmm. on a different level. Mm-hmm. And it it made her kind of someone that you could, as a third party, see mercy for. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, yeah. I mean, I love that. I love that illustration. And I think it's so true that when you look at the experiences behind someone's action um, and have empathy and, and grace and mercy for them, that does. I mean, I think that can make certainly understanding them easier and probably forgiveness as well. Sure, and, and I mean, we when I think you were in my first freedom prayer um, experience where uh, we were kind of walking through some forgiveness that I needed to do for my mom, and I was just remembering my aunt Moochie telling me when I was a little girl um, that my, my mom was raised by two alcoholics, did not have an easy childhood, was frequently neglected. And she did the very best she could with me. And I know that mm-hmm. my aunt Moochie reminded me or, or told me that when she, when my mom was little and she would go to pick her up, that she often didn't have, two pairs of matching shoes. She, or she didn't have a pair of matching shoes. Um, and because so uninvolved, so trapped in their own addiction were my grandparents that they couldn't make sure their six-year-old had shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it made it like, not just that, but that was just one of those things that I think God just dropped into my mind to remember just mm-hmm. to see my mom at six. Yeah, that's right. And I think that to you have empathy for her at six is this little, you know, her little self just trying to make it through and trying to figure out what shoes to wear, which is just heartbreaking. But you can see how that. Although a little bit happens in my house, too. <laughs> I mean, let's all be honest. I can, yeah. But I, I think it helps you also see her as why maybe she 
struggles with some of the areas of momming that she did. And right. yeah, that kind of grace, that kind of perspective. Um, I don't know. I think that's, it's a gift for you and it's certainly a gift for your mom to be able to see her a little more tenderly or anybody that you're sure. And again, I don't know that my mom always gets to be benefit or to benefit from that. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know that she experiences that, but Mm I, um, but it's there. Mm -hmm. Well, I think, you know, not to disclose too much, but I mean, I think that there are some natural consequences that had occurred in y'all's relationship. Sure. And that's not uh, the fruit of unforgiveness. Right. I think that's the fruit of wisdom. And, yeah. and, and, and you can still be tender and you can still understand why she struggles with some of the things that she struggles and why maybe she's hurt you in some of the ways that she's hurt you. But sure. Well, and I think kind of to what we were talking about earlier about like how forgiveness doesn't always restore a relationship to its original place Mm -hmm. but I do think that the forgiveness has the forgiveness has happened and then and then sometimes the the consequences of actions are for the hurt party's protection Mm -hmm. but also um they protect the relationship to the restoration that it has experienced. Like, um, so that further damage doesn't happen, not just so that it doesn't hurt me, but that it doesn't like further damage the relationship with that person. I think that's very true. And especially in your case, but I think there can be lots of, of experiences like that in different kinds of relationships. And, you know, I was thinking about, for five minutes when we decided to do forgiveness today. Um, <laughs> because we thought we could talk of it off the cuff. Yeah. I mean, we are. Yeah. We're doing it. Um, but in my five minutes of prep, I was thinking of experiences I've had with forgiveness. And um, and I've had what I would consider little forgiveness. And I've done some big forgiveness. But I know after every time, I do feel some level of relief. Like I'm not carrying that person's sin. I'm not trying to curate their feelings of, of guilt or, or shame or whatever I think they should be feeling that they, that's probably not my job, but I don't think I've ever gone that extra step. I think there have been times when I've not gone that extra step of wanting to bless them and, and, and saying like, I think I've said, God, I leave them to you. Sure. Their conviction is not my job. But I think it would be a good practice to put in place for me to bless that person. Oh, yeah. And that's part of the the freedom prayer experience, too. Mm -hmm. So if you have like a big forgiveness thing and you're like, I'm not sure if I need freedom prayer. This is one of those things that I think freedom prayer would be great for. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's great for so many things. But yes, forgiveness is... I mean, I just, I think unforgiveness can be a cancer. Like I said, that dark yuck seed that can just grow. And, and then it becomes like this lens that you see the world through of like, does everybody see how crappy that person is? Mm-hmm. They did this thing to me and I can't stand them. And da-da-da. like, you're trying to sell your case 
even if you're not intentionally, but like if that person gets brought up, you can feel that within your body. Sure. So I just think. No, you know, I've always said. Um, <laughs> I see your face. I know it's going to be something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm just wondering if you think this is biblical or helpful. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> I think I read it in Micah chapter 2, verse 10. In the New Testament. <laughs> in the New Testament, in Micah. Um, but so I have I have this friend. We'll call her Shelly, mm. but that's not her name. But that had it's a... oddly specific. I know, well, it's not, but it is specific, but it's not her. Yes. It's, a, it's another friend. But mm. um, that I, when we were single, so this is like, you know, 15 plus years ago, um, she had a breakup with a boy that then her friend started dating that boy. Mm. And that was really hard for her. (laughs) And she was having a hard time bouncing from that. So I told her, we'll call the friend Tina. Okay. Tina feels like somebody that could do you wrong. Um, Was this in Louisiana? No, this is Dallas. Um, But anyway, so Tina's now dating Shelly's boyfriend no longer boyfriend but boy that she loved you know and um so anyway I told Shelly that I would um hate Tina forever on her behalf Mm. so does that sounds biblical is that that what you were asking that's what I'm asking is that biblical (laughs) no but I I'm sort of joking and sort of not I don't actually hate Tina but for you know, probably about a six month to a year time frame. Whenever Tina's she name was came up, I would make a snarky remark so <laughs> that Shelley could take the high road. Mm-hmm. Because I, what I was trying to do was say, "I see what happened to you. Yeah, I haven't forgotten." Mm-hmm. Solidarity. Yes, mm-hmm. and again, I, I, me because I like to speak in hyperbole, like. I'm like, I'll hate her forever. Every once in a while, I'll still make a snarky remark about Tina to Shelly, just, just, just to let her know that I've got her back. That hussy. <laughs> but I, I think I, they are friends again, and oh, it's, great. you know, like, it, it's, you know, but. So maybe with the I'm aid of saying, your snarky remarks. I'm just do you remarks, feel like maybe I helped aid that process? I think you helped aid a process. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if the forgiveness process was the one you were aiding as much as maybe the uh, laughing process. Sure. Well, although I will say this, one of the one of the best things about and it really wasn't even about forgiveness. It was about grief, I think. That's, and, yes. Um, where I saw well, no, but but I like I saw like a video that was like had a bunny and a bear. I can't oh, do the Brene Brown. It's so good. And it was so beautiful because it was talking about like it had this little bear that was sad. Who's like, I, I'm going to have to like post this. I'll post it mm-hmm. in the comments uh, when I uh, when we po- when uh, whenever we release this podcast, I'll I'll post that video. It's in about the, empathy. Uh, yeah. Um, but this little this bear is very sad and the bunny is following the bear around trying to like cheer the mm-hmm. the bear up. It actually might be vice versa. I can't remember who was sad, but I think it was the bear. But in any case, um, she she kind of just talks about how um, what people need when they're grieving, mm-hmm. and I and I, honestly, I think sometimes what people need when they're in that forgiveness process mm-hmm. is for someone to just see them. That's what I was going to say. To just see the pain, and so that I do think was 
sort of and of course i was saying it in a snarky fashion because that's just me um but for shelly was was just to to go i see this i see the whole picture and i know that everybody in town doesn't know that how that pains you but i know Mm -hmm. and i still see it and i see you trying and i see you trying to be the big person and um I'm just going to let you know for a time being while that's still salty yeah. <laughs> um, that I see it. Well, that's what I think that's what you did aid. And I was joking about you not aiding forgiveness. I think that you seeing a pain and what felt like a wrong and saying it was wrong and saying it should hurt. You can let it hurt. And having some solidarity of like, I'm going to make a funny snarky comment Um as a reminder that I do see that is healing. I mean, I think, and I, I and I think we, we're, we've talked about doing an episode on grief specifically. Sure. Um, especially in, in grief and empathy in general, when someone can sense that you're there, you haven't forgotten what's happened to them. You're not going anywhere. You're, you're telling them like, you can be honest with me. I know that you're hurting. I know that that hurt. Um, That is healing. And I think that gives a chance to breathe, like somebody a chance to breathe and see things maybe a little bit more clearly once they feel understood instead of feeling like they're drinking from a water, like a a water hose. Sure. Or a fire hose where they're just getting so much information thrown at them like, you need to forgive, you need to move on, you know, you seem fine, whatever. They're not getting a chance to really sit with those feelings. So having a friend like that to say, I'll sit with you. And that's what that video shows. That video, the first time I saw it, it reminded me of my other friend, Laura, my my high school and college friend, Laura. Also known as less good, Laura. That's okay. (laughs) Just kidding. She is. I don't know her at all. (laughs) Oh, you'd love her. Um, She's a nine. They're Mm, hard not to like. They're hard not to like. They're hard not to like. But, um, it, the funny thing is, Laura is uh, that that Laura is an introvert, and it took me probably eight years of friendship to like really believe her, like <laughs> believe her that she was an introvert. Yeah, I think because that's like not how I experience. Like it's not how I experience Kyle. It's not how I experience Annie. It wasn't how I experienced Laura. Like mm-hmm. to me, when I think introvert, and no offense, introverts, I I often don't immediately think fun. Mm-hmm. And it's not that introverts aren't fun. It's just like in my mind, I, I because I think that they can aj- enjoy solitude. Mm-hmm. Like you just don't realize that they can also be like extremely yeah like engaging and yeah you know. Well, you've been to Wet and Wild with Annie Mooney, and like she's a good time. She's a at good an, time at amusement park. <laughs> that's right. I don't believe it's called Wet and Wild anymore. Oh, that's I think right. That it's was not from the nineties. Yeah, that was from the nineties. But I did go to Wet and Wild um, with Laura, my other friend Laura. Um, but anyway, I when when we were in college, so so watching the bear and bunny video when we were in, uh, reminded me like I immediately like could think of an experience that was like that. And I can often be the bunny at the beginning of the video where I'm like, hey, look, look, Mm -hmm. like, you know, trying to be funny, trying to be fun, trying to change, yeah, manipulate the Mm -hmm. mood, like to try to make someone happy. Yeah. Um, And it'll feel better for you if they're happy. Although I don't think 
you know, I, I don't know if you and I have discussed that or if it's somebody somewhere else or I just, it doesn't always resonate with me that it's, it's a, I, I do think sometimes it can be about the person's comfort that is being mm-hmm. with the hurt party. But I also think that sometimes it's like, I, it's uh, just better to feel happy. Yes. I don't want you to feel sad. Mm-hmm. Like I love you Certainly. and I want you to feel happy. Mm-hmm. And, and, and again, it's just, it's just not the time to be happy. But anyway, I, I think sometimes we don't know what our job is in mm-hmm. grief or we don't know what our job is when we're dealing with someone with deep bitterness that mm-hmm. they like need to let go of and forgiveness. Um, so I think when we don't realize the job is to see it, the job is to bear witness mm-hmm. um, that it, it changes things because I think we think the job is to make them feel better. Mm-hmm. But I just remember my senior year in college, I had been engaged. We broke, we broke up our engagement. I am like in a small town where everyone knows Mm. everything. And it's just, you know, it's just so hard to like hide your pain. Mm -hmm. And then when you're a seven and you don't like being in pain and you certainly don't like people to witness it, not because like this lack of vulnerability, but because if you witness it, then it like sort of makes me have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Whereas I would like to cheer myself up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, uh, that I, it's, it, that was such a hard season. And I just remember one time sitting on the edge of my bathtub crying and Laura just sat there Mm. that's a good friend not a word Mm -hmm. just with you in the pain and yeah and yeah just her hand on my leg Mm -hmm. not a word yeah I think that and it felt so good mm -hmm. yeah I think that we a lot of times that I want you to be happy is a projection of happiness is better. Sure. Happiness feels better for you. And kind of is. Well, certainly. <laughs> I mean, unless you're sad. Yeah. And just need to be sad. Yes. Um, but yeah, I think for me, I've been in the place of wanting to fill the space with words. Sure. With my profound wisdom and sometimes just silence and saying, I'm going to meet you where you are is the more important thing. Oh yeah. Well, uh, of course, Laura, uh, you, I, I, I think maybe I do feel like that's a 90 thing to do to sit there in silence. Like, mm. doesn't it feel like nine ish? could see that being true. Like, like they can, they can, in fact, um, Jan Fanning, my former boss at Irving Bible, uh, we used to joke about, about Jan, like, um, that like, like Jan had like a tactic in meetings where it would be like, she would just not respond. <laughs> I need that tactic in my life. And, and then like she, and she, and Jan was comfortable with an uncomfortable silence and she would just wait. And then you would eventually like just say whatever you needed to say or do whatever mm-hmm. she wanted you mm-hmm. to do because she would wait you out. She'll just, yeah. She was, you can't sit in that like Jan came. Yeah. <laughs> And I would, I would bet my life, I haven't talked to Jan about the Enneagram because, you know, that's, 
um, more of a, you know, the last four or five years thing Mm -hmm. with me. And I haven't sat down with Jan in a while, but if I, I would, I would, I mean, I'd put a hundred bucks on Jan Fanning being a nine. And if any of my Irving Bible friends or Jan Fanning can verify that, I feel strongly it's true. But um, feel very, val- very validated. I feel very validated in that. But anyway, I, it does feel like a 90 thing uh, to just be able to kind of wait it out. But I told you, I think I sent it to you, uh, like this, the, the, the quarantine has been a, a, a time of memes for me. No. Have they, do we, I know this is derailing a little bit. Do we feel like they've tapered off a little bit? I do. Huh. I do. But Sad. yeah, they need to come back. I, yeah, they certainly do. They need to come back. They need to come back like the coronavirus is coming back. Yes. <laughs> Not coming back. It was never gone. <laughs> Those are fun times. Fun <laughs> times. Fun times. Um, well, I thought Gayla said it was over. Gayla, Gayla, my mother, did declare it over, although the virus had other plans in mind. <laughs> yes. It didn't listen. It did. I, I don't know what it was thinking because I always listen to Gayla. Yeah. Well, uh, one of the memes that I sent you that I that is I don't know what's making me think this conversation is making me think of it. It said, um, "You may call this an uncomfortable silence, but I assure you, anything I say at this <laughs> point is going to be far more uncomfortable." <laughs> you sent that one to me. That was that felt that felt right in many situations. Yeah, except what I think I I said to you was. How many times could I listen? Could I listen and learn from that meme? Because mm-hmm. I, um, I will fill an uncomfortable silence, and and true to form, everything I say after it is far, far worse than mm-hmm. the silence. Yeah. Oh, that feels true to me also. And I think you and I talked early in our friendship that we regularly, publicly, embarrass ourselves at least a, a couple times a year. Yeah. Well, I feel. Like, I can't really trust somebody that can't mm. publicly humiliate themselves at least three to four times a year. Yeah, it's, that's why doing the podcast makes me nervous every time because I don't really love having things that I say recorded and broadcasting all over the world, especially in... <laughs> hey, Canada. <laughs> Shout out. We see you, Canada. Um. So anyway, bringing it back to forgiveness, we got derailed a little bit, but I do think there is a piece of forgiveness that... People, when you are trying to forgive, need supportive friends that will just sit with you in that. They'll, they'll meet you in that struggle. And you can't rush the process. No. I I was thinking about um, one of our mutual friends, like while we were talking about this, and the kind of deep hurt that she's experienced in the last couple of years. And... Um, she is she is trying to forgive mm-hmm. um but i think that that is a diligence it's a daily surrender mm-hmm. and it happens piecemeal and um mm-hmm. uh it doesn't happen overnight you don't need to beat yourself up about it if it doesn't happen overnight it's a daily submission to like to to God to hand him that and say you do with this mm-hmm. and then it you keep waking up and it's there again and you lay it down before him mm-hmm. over and over until you don't have to lay it down anymore that feels 
very accurate and it's so important. Yeah. You're not going to do this in it usually in a one act. I can't imagine that, although I think people maybe have experienced that. Oh, sure, but I do also think a lot of times there was um like I would say something something happened in Freedom Prayer that was like kind of a one act mm-hmm. sort of thing for me. But I also think there was a process leading up to that too, sure. and there's a process that follows it. Mhm. Yeah, and I think what you were saying about daily handing it over um, is so important because, and I wouldn't, I, I, I can tend to be such a guilt, guilty feelings of guilt and shame person that when I experience unforgiveness or when I experience forgiveness that I feel like I'm still kind of wrestling with the hurt, um, I, I feel guilty. And that's when that, that practice comes in of like, God, this is yours. I'm going to hold this with an open hand and I'm just going to keep coming back and meeting you in this place and, and telling you, I would like for you to take it, please. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap. Um, there's probably tons and tons more, but definitely. No, I think we covered it all. (laughs) (laughs) but I definitely want to encourage you if you have a big hurt that you're having a hard time letting go of freedom prayer is a great place to start Mm -hmm. oh for sure some I've seen some really cool things happen yes so thank you so much for joining us on embarrassment of riches we will talk to you soon